Good morning. So today's daf is Lamit Hes 39. We're actually going to pick up on the bottom of Lamit Ches Amud Beis. So if you remember, again, we left off with a discussion regarding regarding the dough. So remember, again, the Gemara explains, the Mishnah explains, that when a woman borrows salt and water or spices from her neighbor, so Lamaisa, again, Lamaisa, the, the dough, or I should say the finished product bread, is limited to the overlapping tchum of both women. So the Gemara spent a long time yesterday trying to figure out exactly why that is. So now the Gemara explains the following. The Gemara says, time So we're on Lamed Ches Amud Beis, about three lines up from the bottom. So the Gemara says, time why is this? Abai Amr Abai says, There's a concern that what's going to happen? Maybe they really will go ahead and make a dough together in a partnership. Meaning, I will say, see, in this case in the Mishnah, there's no partnership dough over here. Instead, what's happening is one neighbor is giving the other neighbor just the ingredients, and the other neighbor is going ahead and making the dough. But if they were to go ahead and make the dough an actual partnership, then the maisa, again, the, the bread, the finished product, really would be limited to the overlapping tchum. Therefore, even if we were gozer, then even in a case of borrowing, lest you go ahead and make the dough an actual shutfus, and lest you make a dough an actual, an actual partnership, and therefore, again, we limit the finished product to the overlapping tchum. Rava Rava says, Tavlin litame abidi. Spices are there to add flavor. Vitaima lo bottom. And I will say, in general, again, when it comes to mixtures, so anything that is there to provide taste is never bottle within is never bottle within a mixture. Tap of Lamates. Ravashi and Ravashi says, Mishum Ravashi comes along and says that what? The reason why the salt, the spices, and the water are not bottle is because technically speaking, means something that over time will become permitted. So when something over time will become permitted, there is no need to rely on bittle. There is no need to rely on nullification. Therefore, because Technically speaking, this will become mutter right after yomtiv. Therefore, there's no need to rely on bittel. Okay? So the Gemara says, So at the end of the day, the Gemara gives three different reasons as to why, again, when the woman borrows salt and water and spices from her neighbor, that the finished product dough is limited to the overlapping tchum. Number one, lest you come to confuse it to a case where they actually made the dough in partnership. Number two, because spices are milsa da avida la they're made for flavor. Anything that's made for flavor is not bottle in a mixture. Number three, it's tabishishal matirin. So it will become permitted, and anything that will become permitted is not is not bottle in a mixture as well. Rabbi Huda Potter reminds Rabbi Huda says again, Rabbi Huda exempts in water, because Rabbi Huda says that apparently if you were to go ahead and just borrow water, so the act of just borrowing water again is not significant, and therefore the water that's mixed into the mixture would be bottle would be bottle to the flower of the other woman. So again, I, in other words, I'm borrowing water from my neighbor. That according to Rabbi Huda, that water would be bottle in the final product, and therefore the final product would have the tchum of the person who's making it, not the overlapping tchum of the person who owned the water. So the Gemara says, Mayim in Melachlo. Is that to say that a dafka applies to water and not to salt? So the Gemara says, Vaha Tanya, but we learn. So I will say, so meaning Rabbi Huda seems to say, it's only water that's bottle. It's only water that's bottle and not salt. So the Gemara says, tanya, but we learned. Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, Mayim umelach betelin, bein beisa, bein bekedera. So yet Rabbi Huda says that both salt and water, water and salt, are bottle to the other ingredients, 
whether it's other ingredients in a dough or whether it's other ingredients in a kadeira, in a pot, in a pot of food. So the Gemara says, Lokashio, it's not a contradiction. So we'll say, here's what's interesting. So remember, here we have on record Rabbi Huda in the Mishnah just exempting water, saying water is not significant, therefore it's bottle in the mixture. What we infer from that is it's water that's bottle, but let's say salt is not bottle, but yet, but yet, we see over here in the Bryce that Rabbi Huda holds that both water and salt are bottle, to which the Gemara says, Lokashio, it's not a contradiction. Ha b'melech stomis, ha b'melech istrukhanis. Istrukhanis. So we'll say different types of salt. One is talking about sodomite salt, and one is talking about istrukhanis salt. What's the difference between them? If you look at Rashi, Rashi is over here, stomis, dakohimaod. Apparently, melech stomis, salt from stone, is very fine salt. Ubetela. And therefore, I will say, because it's very fine salt, what ends up happening to it? It ends up really getting mixed mixed in with the mixture, and therefore lemaisa, and therefore lemaisa becomes bottled to the mixture, as opposed as opposed. To, actually, Rashi just points out over here. How do we know that melech stomus is very fine salt? So what's the quote from the school that says, "Why do we wash my machron?" And why did the rabbi say that my machron is an obligation? Shemelech stomus yesh. So we'll say the Gemara explains that the reason, one of the reasons we have to wash my machronim is because of melech stomis. Melech stomis again was this was salt that apparently had very very um, very um, what's not acidic but very very potent in that if you got melech stomis in your eyes, it could cause blindness. So because of that, the rabbi said that you have to wash my machronim prior to Birkas and Lazon prior to bed in order to make sure if there's any Melech Stomis on your hands that you, you get it off your hands. So you see of now both there's another reason also Mishum Nikios, ultimately because of because of cleanliness. This is why today you'll find many people don't necessarily do my machronim because since the real we don't because the Gemara we don't have Melech Stomis today anymore. But certainly again even if we don't have Melech Stomis, there is still the concept of doing my machronim just Mishum Nikios. Just because of cleanliness, an act of, an act of cleaning oneself just a little bit prior to your Kaz Amazon. In any event, the Gemara explains that Melech Stomis is very fine, therefore it gets mixed in with the mixture. Because it gets mixed in with the mixture, therefore it's, therefore it's bottle. And that's, again, that's Rabbi Huda and the Braisa. As opposed to our Mishnah, which is dealing with what? Melech Istrukhanis, which apparently, again, is much thicker salt. Because it's thicker, it does not necessarily get mixed in well with the mixture. And therefore, the Maisa, it's not bottle. I have a hot time, Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, Mayim umelach betelin bi'isa, ve'in betelin bi'kdera mitnei rotva. I, but we learned also that Rabbi Huda says that water and salt are bottle to the other ingredients in the dough. But yet they are not bottle in a kadera in a pot of cooked food. Why? Because of the rota, because of the gravy. Because we'll say Rabbi Huda says that since there's gravy, so therefore the water is still recognizable. And the salt is also recognizable, or at least at least taste-wise, within that gravy. To which the Yomar says, Lokash is not a contradiction. Haba'ava, habiraka. When does Rabbi Huda hold? That lemaisa again, the gravy is not bottle, or they say the salt and the water is not bottle in a gravy. That's with a more liquidy gravy. But if the gravy is thicker, Rashi says, Ava, look at that Rashi, Tavshil Ava, She'in Rotva Nikar, Vahavi Ki'isa. So also everything depends on the gravy. If the gravy is very liquidy, then Einachinam Rabbi Huda will hold that both 
the water as well as the salt will not be bottle. But if the gravy is a little bit thicker, therefore more resembles a food, then Rabbi Huda will hold that it is bottle. Okay, says the Mishnah. What's another very interesting Mishnah? Hagacheles kiragle habaylin. So gacheles, we will say, is a coal. So a coal has the tchum of its owners. Right? So it's a continuation of the previous theme. So whatever the tchum of the owner of the coal is, that's how far you could transport the coal. Vishal heves, however, a flame, a flame itself, bechomakom, could go anywhere. Now I will say, what does that mean, a flame? Look at Rashi, vishal heves, kigon hidlik ner vishal heves chavero, eno ma'ake be'esret chumah. So we'll say, listen to this. As much as, as much as a coal is limited to the tchum of its owner, if I were to go ahead and light a fire from your coal, if I were to light a fire from your coal, that fire is not limited by your tchum. Even though, again, that fire came from your coal, it's not limited by your tchum, but rather, again, the fire is not li- The truth is the fire will be limited, we'll see if the fire is limited at all, but the pashtos, it means it's limited to the tchum of the individual who made it, or I should say, who took it. Okay, is that, is that clear? So again, the coal itself is limited to the tchum of the owner, but the fire, the shalheves itself, literally could go anywhere. It's not limited in tchum. Gacheles shalhekdish, if you have a coal that belongs to the base of Mikdash, Mo'alinbo, if you used it for mundane use, then Lemais again is subject to the laws of Mi'ila. Bishal Heves, however, when it comes to the flame of a Gacheles Shalhekdish, Lo Nanin Velo Mo'alin. You may not get Hanal, but if you did get Hanal, you did not violate the laws of Mi'ila. So we'll say again, if you have a coal of Hekdish, so that is subject to the laws of Mi'ila. Mi'ila means any time you use consecrated property in, 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 in a mundane fashion. So the coal is subject to the laws of Mi'ila, but however, the flame, you should not get benefit from the flame of Hekdish, but if you did, you have not violated the laws of Mi'ila. Okay, we'll discuss why that is. So look at, however, again, if one goes ahead and carries out a coal, however, if you just go ahead and carry a flame, if you carry a flame, Potter. Then the mice again, you are potter for Otsa. We'll discuss in the Gemara exactly what this case is. Look at Rashi for just a moment. Rashi says, So remember, what did the Mishnah say? If you have a gacheles, if you have a coal of hektish, and you use that for mundane use, you have been in violation of Mi'ilah. But if you go ahead and you use a fire of hektish, so you're not supposed to do it, but if you did it, it's not subject to the laws of Mi'ilah. Why not? Rashi says, So you should not get benefit from a, from a fire of hektish. We will say the common denominator over here is that a flame lacks substance. Because a flame lacks substance, therefore, again, by definition, it is not subject to the laws of Mi'ilah. Therefore, you should not use the flame of Hekdish, but if you did, because it lacks that substance, you, you, have, not, you have not committed Mi'ilah. So the Gemara goes right to turn out. There are five things that were said about a coal. Number one, So number one, that a gacheles takes on the tchum of its owner, but the shalheves, the flame, is not limited in tchum at all. Now remember, I will say, when we say flame, what that means is if you were to take a flame from that gacheles, that flame does not have that same, that same limitation. Next, Next, you take a you could take a coal that belongs to hekdish, and if you get benefits from it, you are subject to the laws of Mi'ilah. But yet, a flame of a coal of hekdish, you should not get benefits from it. But if you did, you have not committed Mi'ilah. Next, gacheles shalavod zara asura. 
if you have a coal of Avodah Zorah, it is Aser. Vishal Heves Muteres. But you may go ahead and use the flame from the coal of Avodah Zorah. So if I have a coal of Avodah Zorah, let's say they're using it for their carbonos, I can't use that coal, but I can light a fire from that coal. Next, Hamosi Gachales, the Roshus Arabim Chayif, Vishal Heves Potter. Next, if one goes ahead and carries a coal into Rosh Sarab Mishayev, however, again, carrying a flame, he'll be potter. Next, Hamuda Hanoa Mechavero, Asr Begachalto, Umut, so actually, there's a new case. Hamuda Hanoa Mechavero, the boss says, so if I, if I go ahead and Muda Hanoa means I take a vow, I take a vow, uh, preventing myself from getting any kind of benefit from Rubain. That's Hamuda Hanoa Mechavero. So I vow that I'm not getting any benefit from Rubain. What is the halacha? Asr Begachalto, I may not get, I may not use or I may not get benefit from his coal, umutra bishal hefto. But I can get benefit from his flame. So we'll say the common denominator you see over here is what? That a flame, as Rashi says, less be mamash, it doesn't have substance. Because it doesn't have substance, therefore what? Therefore the Maisa, it's not subject to all of these laws that the that the coal, which does have substance, will be subject to. So now the Gemara asks, Maishna shall have this it's a very interesting question. We have two cases. We have two cases of the Shalheves. In the case of the Shalheves, the flame of Hektish, so what did the Gemara say? The Gemara said that you may, you may not get benefit from it, but Pediyavid you can. And yet when it came to the flame of Avodazara, what did the Gemara say? That if you that Lechatchila, that you could use the flame of Avodazara. So why is it? That you can use the flame of Avodah but you can't use the flame of Hekdish, to which the Gemara says, Why is it the flame of Avodah is permitted? And the flame of Hekdish is not, at least the Chatzchil is not permitted. So the Gemara says, I'll tell you why. Because I will say, Avodah which is considered to be repulsive, and people separate themselves from it, there is no need for an additional gezerah. We're not concerned that if we let you use the flame of Avodah Zorah, which technically is permitted, that you'll come to use the coal. There's no gezerah necessary there because people stay away from Avodah Zorah to begin with. However, Hegdish, below Mois, below Bedili in Shemine, Gazer However, when it comes to Hekdish, which again, it's not disgusting, it's not disgusting, right? People don't, people are very much connected to Hekdish. Therefore, the mice again, the Rabbanon felt there was a need to make this gezerah. Yeah. I'm not understanding why he's saying that Avodah Zarah is Me'isa. In other words, spiritually it's Me'isa, but for centuries people had heads. No, 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 but it's something that most people have an aversion to. Something that most people have an aversion to. Stamp, stamp person. Question, isn't it a Taiba? Like a Taiba? By this time it's already gone. Right. This already, the time of the Gemara, it's not the time of the Nevi'im already. Like everybody's worshipping Avodah Zarah. Just in general, there was there, but pe- for most people it was considered to be most. It wasn't rampant like it was in the past. So the Gemara goes by to what did the Mishnah say? The Mishnah said that if one goes ahead and carries a gachelis into Rosh Sarabim, he's chayiv. This, this is, this is, this is either. That's the truth. This is actually, this is actually either because Lamaisa, again, remember, truth is the Isra will really be on Shabbos. But remember, on Yom Tov also, anything that does not, now I guess on Yom Tov it wouldn't be necessarily because you could be using this for Ochal Nefer. Shabbos, Shabbos. So the Gemara says the following, So if one goes ahead and carries a gachelis, a cone to Shusarabim, he's chayiv. But if he carries a shalheves, a flame, he's potter. So the Gemara says, Vahatanya, but we learned, Hamoti shalheves, kol shu chayiv. But yet we learned that if one does carry a flame of any amount that he's chayiv, so also we have a brisa 
that contradicts the Mishnah. Because the Mishnah says you're never chai for carrying a flame. But yet the Brahisi says you are chai for carrying a flame. So which one is it? Omar Avshesh says, What's the case? The case of where the Brahisi, where you're chai for carrying the flame, is where you have a little twig, a little twig, and you're carrying the flame on the twig. That's the case. So since the fire itself is rooted in something substantive, therefore, lemaisa, again, you're chayif for carrying out the fire. Look at Rashi. Since the fire is something that it's clinging onto, therefore, the, trans, the flame therefore becomes significant. We'll see later on when the Mishnah says that you're part of a transporting a flame. We'll come back to that. I don't want to translate that now. We'll come back to that at the end of the Gemara. But the Gemara is suggesting is the following. When the flame itself, Lemaisa, is attached to something, then it becomes significant, and therefore the transport of it, by definition, is prohibited. So the Gemara says, one second. But if you're carrying out this little piece of wood, then forget about transporting the flame. Why would you not be chayif for hotza on what? Hotza for the twig? Hotza for the twig? To which the Gemara says, Bidales le shiura. We're talking about a twig that does not have a significant shear. Because also remember, we saw already in Masacha Shabbos that in order to be in violation of carrying something, you have to carry a significant amount. What makes a twig significant? This nan, hamotzi, eitzim, if someone carries wood on Shabbos, you're only chayev if what? Kedei levash lo You're only chayev if you carry enough to be able to start a fire to go ahead and cook an easily cooked egg. So meaning, whatever amount that is, it's clearly more than just a little twig. Therefore, again, you're not chayev for carrying the twig because the twig doesn't have the shear. Instead, what you are chayev for is carrying a fire. Are they saying there that that's the way you can carry that is correct. That's the, yes, me. That the correct. How do you carry a fire? So we'll see. There, we'll see. There's going to be another way. There's going to be another way. But right now, the Gemara is saying that if you were to carry it on something, the act of having a flame attached to something, even if that something is insignificant on its own, lemaisa the fact that the fire is there makes the whole thing significant, and therefore you be chayef for carrying. So the Gemara says, Abai Amr Abai says, no, no, no. What's the case of carrying? Meaning, what well, so we're trying to figure out what's the case of carrying the flame for which you will be chayef. So Abai Amr Kigon. The shayfei mana mashcha va'atli beinura are the cases where what you take a, you took a utensil, you smeared it in oil, and you kindled it. So the utensil itself is burning. So that's how you're carrying a flame out on Shabbos. Twitching around. So one second. The safer flame is shumana. But if that's the case, forget about being chay for carrying the fire. You should be chay for what? Carrying the utensil. To which the Gemara says, the chaspa. No, 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 we don't mean a full utensil. What are we talking about over here? Just a pottery shard. So the Gemara says, okay, we say, we chaspa. So you should be high for carrying the pottery shard. To which the Gemara answers, bidales le shiura. Where the pottery shard does not have the requisite shear to make it significant. This none, because we saw before, we learned in a Mishnah, cheres, you're only chay for carrying, for carrying a pottery shard on Shabbos if what? Kadelitin bein patsim lechaveiro. I will say, so interestingly enough, you're only chayef if you carry a pottery shard. What used to happen on both sides is that when they, would, when they would make their door frames and window frames, sometimes there'd be a little bit of a gap. So what would they plug the gaps up with? Pottery shards. So you're only chayef for carrying a pottery shard if it's large enough to be able to fill this type of gap. So therefore, the case over here that we're talking about is where the pottery shard is, is on, on its own, it's insignificant. But because, again, that's what? Because there's a flame attached to it, that by definition makes it significant, and therefore be chayif for carrying out that fire on Shabbos. To which the Gemara says, 
Ella, Hagistan, Amosi, Shalhevis, Pater, Hechimushkachas. So we'll say, now what we've done is we quoted this Brysa, and this Brysa explains that if you want to go ahead and you carry a flame out on Shabbos, you are Chayev. So we just discussed the cases in which you would be Chayev for carrying a fire. Is what, the common denominator is what? The fire is attached to something. It's, it's on a clee, it's on a utensil, it's on a twig. And the clee, the, the twig itself, is insignificant enough that you're not high for carrying the item, but because there's a fire there, that makes it significant, and therefore you're high for carrying the fire. If that's the case, however, what's the case of the Mishnah? Because the Mishnah said what? The Mishnah said that you are potter for carrying a fire on Shabbos. So what's the, what's the case of Pator? To which the Gemara says, Hechim Kegon Sarabim. To which the Gemara says, Aji will say, literally means... That you that you go ahead and you throw it. Rashi says, mm-hmm. What it means is like this, and this is what Rashi was alluding to before. Rashi says, If you can imagine the following: if you have a fire, if you have a fire, and you imagine you're standing in Rosh Hashanah, right, right on the right on the line between Rosh Hashanah and Rosh Hashanah, if you blow on a fire, what you could do is what you could actually go ahead and cause a piece of the fire to detach a little bit. And to, and to fly into Surabim. So that's the case of the trend. Now remember, I'll say, if you throw something from Rishayochid to Rishayochid, you are chayyah for that. That is an act of hotzah. You don't have to actively carry it. If you cause it to move, by definition, you're chayyah. So the case of the Mishnah is where I fan the flame. Literally, I throw the flame. I cause a piece of the flame to fly, so to speak, from Rishayochid to Rishayochid. And the Mishnah tells me that I am putter for that act of hotzah. Okay, says the Mishnah. Bar shal so you can't carry a flame at all. I'm sorry? You can't carry a flame at all. So that is correct. So ca- carrying the flame, that the Braisa already goes ahead and tells me I cannot do. And the Chiddush of the Mishnah, however, is that if you were to go ahead and, let's say, cause part of the flame to fly into another Rishos, that is not halachically significant, and you would be potter for that. Says the Mishnah. Bar shal If you have a pit that belongs to an individual, karagli So I will say, over here, when we speak about bar, so bar really refers to like a water cistern. It's usually what it refers to over here. But, but the idea is you have a bar with, let's say, water in it. So that water has a tchum as well. So what, what is that? What's the tchum of that bar? So the contents of that bar are limited to the tchum of the owner of the bar. Okay. But if, let's say, you have a bar, let's say you have a well, that is, that is a water cistern that belongs to the residents of the city. So what is that, Lacha? So that is limited to the tchum of the people of the city. Shell ole babel. But if you have one of the boros, one of the one of the water pits of those who came up from babel, so we'll say if you look at Rashi, he says shall ole babel haasuyin laovrei drachem beemsad derech vaasal mene agola lishdos balos. And so also is interesting when the Jews came back from babel. So on the way back from babel to Yisrael, they dug a number of different wells on the way. Those wells were kept and were maintained for all of those who would make the trip from Babel to Eretz from Eretz to Babel. So what is the halacha? So, do, so meaning, what's the status of the water that comes from those wells? The halacha is kiragli hamemale. Those that has the tchum that has the tchum of those who fill up. Meaning, that water belongs to everyone. At least that's what it sounds like. That that water belongs to everyone, and therefore the ma'isa it has the tchum of the person who draws the water. So we have three different cases, right? Borshal yachid, if the well belongs to an individual. So the contents of the well is limited to the tomb of the individual. Bar anche osayir, if you have a water, a water cistern of the entire city, that is limited to the tomb of the city. And I will say, what does it mean limited to the tomb of the city? 
it means that that water can be transported technically in any, in any direction, 2,000 amos outside of the city. And the, the well of Asha Ole Bavel, the well of those who came up from Bavel, ultimately again has the status of those who fill up the water, meaning that takes the tchum of the person who's drawing the water. Fine, says the Gemara. Ramile Rava Rav Nachman. So Rava posed the question to Rav Nachman. Tanan, we learned, Bar Shal Yachid, Keragli HaYachid. We learned that the water cistern of the Yachid, the, the contents, the water has the tchum of the individual. Or Minubat will raise a kasha. What's the kasha? Naros HaMoshchen Uma'ayonos HaNovin. If you have flowing rivers or flowing springs, Harihen Keragli Koladam. Then what? Then it sound, Then they take on the tchum of any individual who draws the water. So we'll say the reason why this, the reason why Rav is bringing this as a kasha is because let's say somebody owns a spring or somebody owns a river. So based on the Mishnah, it would sound like that the waters ultimately again take on the tchum of the owner. And yet we see from here, according to this Mishnah, according to this, uh, according to this Mishnah, the Gemara is quoting, is that the waters from the stream or from the spring take on the tchum of whoever draws it. So which one is it? To which the Gemara says, no, no, no. What's the case here? The case of the Mishnah Rabosai is not with flowing water. The case of the Mishnah is where what? Is Lamaisa, again, where the water, Mechunasin, means it's gathered. It's standing water. So because it's standing water, therefore, by definition, it takes on the tchum of the person who owns it. And indeed, again, the Bechiyabar Abba said the name Shmuel that the din of the Mishnah only applies to water that is standing, Mechunasin gathers. So I will say, this is actually very important because what the Gemara is teaching us is that Lamaisa, even if an individual draws, it owns a stream or owns a flowing spring, if somebody were to go ahead and draw water from that spring or from that stream on Shabbos, so Lamaisa, the drawn water would take on the Tchum of the individual who draws the water, even though that spring or that stream is owned by someone. Why? Which makes sense because that water is in constant motion. Because that water is in constant motion, the Pashtos, the water that you're drawing now is not there at the onset of Yom Tov, and therefore did not acquire the Tchum of the owner of the stream. However, again, if we're dealing with the bar, which is standing water, then obviously at the onset of Yom Tov, onset of Shabbos, that water acquired a tchum. It acquired the tchum of the owner, and therefore the mice, again, if somebody draws from it, that water is limited to the tchum of the owner. And if you draw water from, from the, the water cisterns, the pits, of those who came up from Babel, so the water takes on the status of the one who draws it, Itmar, so also it's a very interesting case. Itmar, the Gemara is a cash. Not a cash. The Gemara states, "Mile v'nasan So let's say, imagine the following case. So, so Reuben and Shimon are are traveling. They come across. They come across one of these one of these boros of Ole Babel, and Reuben fills up a bucket of water for Shimon. Okay, fills up a bucket of water for Shimon. <coughs> so the Gemara says, "Rav Nachman." So we'll say, now the question is, when Reuben fills up the bucket of water for Shimon, which tchum? Does that water acquire? So on one hand, Rav Nachman says, um, Rav Nachman Amar, Kiragle mi shenismalulo. So Rav Nachman says, Well, since the water was drawn for Shemin, even though Ruvain did the actual drawing, the water takes on the tchum of Shemin, meaning the water takes on the tchum of the one for whom it was drawn. Rav Shesh, some Rav Shesh says, No, Kiragle hamimale. Rav Shesh, No, it's not true. Whose tchum does the water take on? It takes on the tchum of Ruvain, the one who draws the water, meaning the one who draws the water is the one ultimately, again, what? Who determines the tchum of the water. To which the Gemara says, to which the Gemara says, uh, what are they arguing about? Mark savar bira de hefkeiruhu, umar savar bira de shutfihu. 
you know what they're arguing about? They're arguing about the fundamental nature of these boros, of these pits. So one says that essentially the pits, the, the, the water cisterns of Oli Bavel, are Hefker. Are Hefker. And the other opinion says, no, they're not Hefker. They're jointly owned by all of Klaish on them. I will say, now what does this mean? This is actually very interesting. Take a look at Rashi. Rav Sheshes Savar Biradeth Kiruhu. So the Gemara is suggesting that Rav Sheshes, Rav Sheshes is the one who says what? That Lamaisa, when you draw the water, whose tchum does it take on? That the water takes on the tchum of the individual who actually drew the wa- who draws the water. So Rav Sheshis is of the opinion that the nature of these boros is that they're hefker. So as the Shabbos says, it's fascinating. Look at Rashi. Rav Sheshis savar bir devkeruhum v'hamagbia mitzia lechaveiro. I will say if I pick up a, a lost object for my friend, hot. I'm sorry, lo kana chaveiro. I cannot acquire something hefker on behalf of my friend. Kedarina bav mitzia v'shleim oxen. It's very interesting. There's a concept of right? So what happens if, let's say, again, I can do something that is objectively beneficial for you, even without your knowledge. However, again, there's an important caveat to that rule, which is, I can do that as long as it does not adversely affect another. But if my actions are going to adversely affect another, I cannot acquire something on your behalf without your knowledge. So what's an example of this? An example of this would be, I find $100 on the street. So I say, you know what? I happen to know that uh, Hananya collects $100 bills. It's a hobby. Some people do stamps. Hananya does $100 bills. So I know, he, and he would really like this one. It's a 1952 $100 bill. He would love this one. Okay. So I cannot acquire it on his behalf. Why? Because when I acquire it on his behalf, I'm detrimentally <coughs> affecting others. Well, what does that mean? How am I detrimentally affecting others? Because technically speaking, that $100 is hefker. Because, right, let's assume money, money, there's no way to reclaim money. So once it's lost, it's lost. So by acquiring it for Hananya, I'm depriving others of the ability of potentially acquiring that item. So because of that, I cannot acquire it on his behalf. Now what I can do is what? I can acquire it on my own behalf. Right? The idea is, because this is a halachic technicality, you can you could do something good for someone else without their knowledge, as long as it does not adversely affect anyone else. But if my doing something for someone else adversely affects another individual, I cannot do it. Therefore, Rav Sheshis is of the opinion, Rav Sheshis is of the opinion, that Lamaisa, again, this is called Hefker, the, the bar, the, the pit is called Hefker, and I will say, whenever it comes to a matter of Hefker, you cannot acquire on behalf of someone else. Rather, what? You can only acquire on behalf of yourself. Therefore, according to Rav Sheshis, when Ruvain draws the water, what ends up happening? He really becomes the owner of the water. Now, again, he's going to hand that right off to Shimon. He doesn't have any interest in it, but the ramification it does have is what? Is that the water will acquire his tchum. On the other hand, Rashi says, Rashi continues, and he says, Rav Nachman, so Rav Nachman holds, it's not true that the water cistern actually is the joint property of everyone, meaning it belongs to all of Klal Yisrael. So, So it's not the pshat that they made it Hefker, rather they gave it to everyone to be partners in. On the other hand, Rav Nachman holds that no, the bar is not Hefker. Instead, what is the bar? The bar is the joint property of Gans Klai. So everybody owns it. And therefore, when, when Shimon asks Ruvain to go ahead and fill the bucket, Ruvain is, is acting on behalf of Shimon and Shimon's Shaliach to draw Shimon's part of the well part of the water, and therefore, again, a water takes on the tchum, according to Rav Nachman, of the individual for whom it is being drawn. 
So the Gemara goes weiter. The Gemara says, Eisei Rav Nachman. So Rav raises a kasha to Rav Nachman. So I'm also again, remember, Rav Nachman is the one who says that the water takes on the tchum of the person for whom it is being drawn. In this case, we'll call him Shemin. Because the Maisa, again, the water belongs to everyone. And although Ruben's doing the drawing of the water, Ruben is drawing Shimon's portion. Okay, so now Rav asks Hashem and Nachman, Harini Alecha Cheren, if a person says, Harini Alecha Cheren, look at Hamudra Al-Asr, Rashi says, Mishu Hutl Alav Haneder Asr Lehanos Mizeh, Shinadr, so we'll say, listen to this, Harini Alecha Cheren means, I say to Ruben, I am Cheren to you. I am Cheren to you. So what are the ramifications of that? Hamudra Asr. That means Ruvain may not get any benefit from me. I'm answering Ruvain from getting any benefit from me, so Ruvain can't get any benefit from me. I'm a base. If I say, you are Cherem unto me, then I, the person who made the vow, is not permitted to get any benefit from the other individual. So if I say, I am, I am Cherem to you, and you are Cherem to me, so neither of them, I can't get benefit from Ruben, he can't get benefit from me. However, umutarin However, again, what are they permitted to do? They're permitted to get they get permitted to get benefit from anything that was established by those who came up from Babel. But they are not permitted to get benefit from any municipal property. And I will say, now what the Gemara seems to be saying is the following. Let's work backwards. Why can't they get benefit from municipal property? Pashtos, why? Because they, they, or everybody owns it. And if I get benefit from municipal property, in some respect, I'm getting benefit from Ruvain. On the other hand, the Gemara says that I can't get benefit from anything that was established by Ole Babel, which makes it sound like what? Hefker. That it's Hefker. So the Gemara says, Ve'eluhin darmsha Ole Babel. What are the things that were established by Ole Babel? Har- Harabayis. I can go on to Harabayis. Harabayis was reestablished by Ole Babel. Halishkos v'hazaros. The different chambers and the different courtyards of the Beis HaMikdosh. Ubar shall emtsahaderach, and the water cistern in the middle of the road, a well. And therefore, again, the Gemara says that those are all things that Ruvain and I could get benefit from, even though what? We made a nether not to get benefit from one another. And what are the things that belong to the city? The street, the shul, and the bathhouse. So I will say, I'm not permitted to go to shul, I'm not permitted to walk in the street. And I'm not permitted to use the bathhouse, but again, I don't care about that right now. What I care about is what? Is that Lemaisa, I can get benefit from the water, from the wells that were dug by Ole Bavel, which indicates to us what? Remember, this is Rava asking on Rav Nachman. Rav Nachman, you wanted to suggest that the wells are really owned by Shutfus. All of Kla Israel owns the wells, and that's why Rav Nachman wanted to say that Lemaisa, when if I draw water for Ruvain, the water doesn't have my tchum, it actually has Ruvain's tchum because I'm drawing Ruvain's portion. But says Rav Nachman, if you are correct that the wells are really jointly owned, Amai Mutter, why are you permitted, in this case of where two people make, make, make a nether not to get benefit from each other, why would they be permitted to draw water from the well? After all, if the well is jointly owned, then by Pashtos, they should be prohibited from driving any benefit from jointly owned property. We learned, that I will say, if you have partners who own, who own a chatzar together, 
and they make a nether not to get benefit from one another, neither may enter into the chaser. So you see from here that jointly owned property may not be accessed by either party who made the nether not to get benefit from one another. So if you Rodachman are correct, and therefore again the wells, the wells that were dug by Ole Bavel are considered to be joint property, then when Ruvain and I make the nether not to get benefit from each other, we should not be able to get benefit from the wells either. To which the Gemara says, no, 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 I'll tell you. Lirchotz Bebar. Lirchotz Bebar. Hachanami. So the Gemara says, so it depends. When we, if you're talk, what kind of benefit are you talking about? If you're talking about bathing in the bar, so I will agree that bathing in the bar, bathing in the bar is not going to be permitted. I, I will agree with that. However, what's the case? Meaning that type of dramatic hanal will not be permitted. However, v'hacham I ask, you know, what's the case here? Limalos. So again, to bathe in the bar, that type of hanal you would not be able to do. But what are we talking about over here? We're talking about over here drawing water from the bar. So even though they made a nether not to get hanal from each other, each one is still permitted to draw water from the bar of Oli Babel. Why? Because mar midide kamemale, umar midide kamemale. Because what do we say? We say that when we draw water from the bar, each one is what? Drawing their own water. Or in other words, Rebbe saying that we accept the principle of Brera. And what does the principle of Brera say? That when I go to draw water from the well of Oli Babel, what am I doing? I'm drawing my water. I'm not drawing someone else's water. I'm not even drawing shared water. All of us have a portion in this. When I draw water, I am taking my share. So therefore, again, the Gemara is suggesting is therefore hello. So again, obviously, the can't, I can't get dramatic usage like bathing. But Lamaisa, even if I made a nether, not to benefit from another Jew, I can still go ahead and take water from that well. Because Lamaisa, again, when I draw the water, implying the concept of Brera, I'm drawing my own chilek, my own water. So the Gemara says, that's the case. So Savra Brera. Are you telling me then that Rav Nachman holds to, he subscribes to the concept of Reira? I v'hatnan we learned ha'ochin ha'shutfin shechayovin b'kalbon peturin b'maister behemah. So we'll say this is a very interesting case. This takes us back to our shkalim days. So if you take a look, if you take a look, um, you see the Rashi that starts kishechayovin b'kalbon peturin b'maister sheni. So listen to this. So actually, before we get to that, let me read you this to you outside first. So if you have brothers, the case over here is brothers inherited an estate, and they are partners in their father's estate. So literally translated, the Gemara says, when they are obligated in Kabon, now Kabon is the additional tax that you pay on the Chatsi Shekel. When they are Chayi for Kabon, they are exempt from Meiser Behemoth. We'll say, what's the case? So you see, you see that Rashi, Kishachayavim B'Kalbon? See that one? You see where the lines of Rashi get wide? Not the widest ones, but the intermediate, intermediate wide lines. So go one, two, three, bless you, four lines into that. So in the middle of that fourth line, and look what you see that where it starts, Hilchach. So listen, read these couples of Rashi. Hilchach, Achim Shein Shutfin, Sheshut Fusan, Laachar Chalukan. I will say, what's the case? The case over here is brothers inherited an estate. They split up the estate. After they split up the estate, they joined their portions together as a shutfus, as a partnership. Listen to this. If brothers, if brothers got their respective portions, and then they dissolved the estate, and then once again reconstituted a new partnership. So that's just considered to be a partnership. When you have a partnership with another, and let's say now you're contributing a half shekel 
on behalf of the partnership, on behalf of all the parts of the partnership, you're chayiv in kalbon. You stop to pay the extra chazi shekel tax, one kalbon, right? However, again, however, again, you're, you're potter in my surveyima. They will say, why are you potter in my surveyima? Because the halacha is, the only time that an animal is subject to the laws of tithing is when it's owned by an individual. Jointly owned animals, we'll see, it's just exer sakosov, are not subject to the laws of Maeser Behema. On the other hand, Rashi goes on says, listen to this. However, let's say the brothers got their respective portions and never dissolved the estate. Instead, what they did is they made a partnership from their inheritance portions. Then to a certain degree, it's as if the estate still exists. If the estate exists, then what? It's considered to be owned, so to speak, by one entity. The estate is considered to be the property of the now deceased father, but to a certain degree, halachically, it's considered to be as if he still is in existence. If he's still in existence, then what? Then they are putter from, excuse me, then they are putter from kalbon. They don't have to give the kalbon, but they are chayiv in Meister Shani. Why are they chayiv in Meister Shani? Because Lemais, again, is considered to be the property of one individual, and therefore subject to laws of Meister Shani. So now, back, going back to the Gemara. So the Gemara says, mm-hmm. If they are chayv in Kabbal, and they are potter from Meister Shani, because you both remember, these are two sides of the same coin. You're chayv in Meister Shani only when? When it's owned by an individual. So when you're chayv in Meister Shani, you're going to be potter from Kabbal. If you're chayv in Kabbal, it means that by definition, again, there are multiple ownership interests here, which means what? That you're potter in Meister Shani. To which the Gemara says, the Amr of Anan, Rav Anan said, Lo shanu elo shechalku gidim kineget tilaim. I will say, you know, actually, we're, we're going to stop over here for today. So we'll pick up again with this Savar of Nachman Yesh Brehel. We have time because the truth is, tomorrow's Amad days. There's not really much of tomorrow's Amad days. So we'll pick up again in the, so just, just to leave out, just to be clear where we're leaving off over here. We're trying to figure out again the fundamental nature of the well of Ole Babel. So we have a fundamental machlok between Rav Nachman and Rav Sheshes as to how those wells were structured. So ultimately, again, Rav Nachman holds that those wells are owned b'shutfus. Everyone owns, everyone has a chilek in the well. And therefore, again, what ends up happening is, Lamaisa, when you go ahead and you draw the water from the well, in fact, you are taking your portion. Rav Sheshes, on the other hand, says, no, 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 those wells are not jointly owned. Rather, what is the well? It's Hefker. It's Hefker. And we have seen the Nafkaminas as well, but now the Gemara is suggesting that Rav Nachman's premise of the fact that the wells are jointly owned is based on the idea that Rav Nachman holds of the principle of Breira. The Gemara now is going to challenge that assertion that Rav Nachman holds of Breira. We'll pick up with that challenge tomorrow. Uh, we dealt with that issue in the Sechich when we said that... Um, you can stick the two beams around the well, and then 